Shalom Aleichem on behalf of Teach 613, we welcome you to Take 10 for Talmud. We are recording in Silver Spring, Maryland, and are so glad that you can join us. Gitin Lamidvav, Gitin 36a, pagination is 71. We're making reference to a statement in the Mishnah on the previous daf, that would be Lamidalid Amud Beis, where five lines from the bottom, the Mishnah told us, Hillel Hiskin Prusbol Mepnetikon Ha'olam. Hillel created the concept of Prusbol to rectify a problem. And it's linked over here to a number of other things that were legislated to rectify a problem that existed, that developed in a generation. And Hillel did one of these types of legislations. What exactly is a Prusbol? The law in Torah is that if a person loaned money to another Jew and that loan became due, the due date has been reached and it's now outstanding, it's supposed to be paid up, and then the end of Shemitah comes along on the calendar, that effect of the end of Shemitah absolves the borrower of having to pay back. It is considered in Tamei HaMitzvahs, in attitudes of mitzvahs, it's considered mandated tzedakah, assuming, at least in many cases, that an outstanding loan is a person who's having trouble paying back. And this mandates that the loan is forgiven and he doesn't have to pay back anymore. The Gemara will explain that there was a problem because the Torah specifically says, don't withhold loans because you're worried Shemitah will absolve them. You still have to provide loans to the needy. And the generation saw that people were refraining from giving loans because they were worried they would be absolved according to this law. And therefore, a concept of prusbal was formulated, which takes advantage of a unique loophole. The loophole is that once a loan is transferred to the Bezdin, to the Jewish court, it's no longer a personal loan to be collected by me, the lender, it's already been transferred in jurisdiction to the court, and then it does not get absolved by Shemitah, and it could still be collected. The Gemara will explain that normally Bezdin would not have stepped in to do this, but because Shemitah, in the time that we're describing, was already Durabanon, it was only rabbinic, it was only being continued by rabbinic legislation because biblically it only applies when certain parameters are met for Jews living in Eretz Israel. And therefore, once it was rabbinic in nature, Hillel was willing to use one of these loopholes to circumvent the law, so to speak, and enable people to continue to collect, again, by transferring jurisdiction of the loan to the Bezdin. If a person did not do a prisbal, 
did not do what this Gemara describes needs to be done before the end of Shemitah, then indeed it would be absolved. Albeit rabbinically, but it would be absolved, he wouldn't be able to collect, and the solution for the person is transfer your loans to Bezdin by mechanism of the Prusbal. The Gemara begins the last third of the page at the beginning of a line. Hillel Hiskin Prusbal. Hillel legislated the concept of Prusbal. Sometimes you'll see it spelled with a Samach in the middle of the word Prusbal and sometimes with a Zion. Tanan Hosam. We learned. Prusbal Eina Meshamit. If you do a Prusbal, then the end of Shemitah will not absolve the loan. This is one of the things that the elder Hillel legislated. Because he saw the people, they were refraining from loaning to one another. They were in violation of what it says in the Torah. Be careful, lest there be a rebellious thought in you that you won't lend to the needy because you're worried that this mandate tzedakah might kick in and you won't be able to collect. So they weren't loaning. So he took a stand and created prusbal in order that people should continue lending because like this, it will not be absolved, and they have nothing to fear. Vizehu gufo shal pruzbal, this is the nature of pruzbal. Mosrani lochem ploni dayonim shabal makom ploni. I give over to you designated judges in this place. Shakol chov sheyeshli etzel ploni, that any loan that's owed to me from this person. I should be able to collect it whenever I want. The key word is Mosrani. I'm giving it over to you. And either the Dayanim themselves or witnesses to this transaction, so to speak, this statement, the witnesses would sign on the bottom of this document, and that document would be the record and the fulfillment of this legislation. The Gemara, of course, wonders, could it be that there's a thing, biblically, it's absolved. And Hillel would come along and say it's not. It's following the logic that Shavius in our time is not biblical because there's a link between Shemitah's Karka and Shemitah's Ksafim and being that it's not biblical in our time, they were able to take a stand like this and circumvent it. What you do see from the Gemara very interestingly is that even though this successfully circumvents Shemitah, whether it's rabbinic or biblical, but they would not have done it had it been biblical. Because the Torah is telling you something. You should absolve the loans. They wouldn't have, in a mass way, 
gone ahead and encouraged people to circumvent Torah law. But since it was rabbinic, they felt that they could. What would have happened if it was biblical, if they were living in the land of Israel, everything the way it's supposed to be, Beis HaMikdash, everybody blessed and successful, like the good years when we were in Eretz Yisrael. So we have an interesting statement from the Orach HaShulchan regarding Deimach Soro. The concept of Deimach Soro is that you should support a poor person according to his needs. If he was accustomed to a wealthy standard of living, so then you support that because it's painful for him to have less. If he's used to having chicken as a meal during the week, so then you support that. If he's used to having meat, you support that. According to Torah law, that's the standard. Orach HaShulchan points out that nowadays our ability is more limited. We're in Golos, we're in exile, things have changed, and we cannot necessarily support the concept of Demach Soro the way it was described in the Gemara. And I think this concept would exist over here as well. Shemitah is asking a lot from a person. He gave the money as a loan. He expected to be paid back. He did not intend it as a charity. Nevertheless, the Torah mandates that if Shemitah comes, and it was an overdue loan, you have to absolve it. If Shemitah was still biblical with all that entailed, it would have come with living a life of greater blessing than we live today. And therefore, that can be expected of the lender. But if it's only rabbinic, and all that's implied by that, which is less blessing, etc., then Hillel was respectful of the fact that people couldn't live up to this, and the rabbis in their legislation that Shemitah should still exist couldn't expect of people that they're going to absolve the loans. They indeed stopped lending to protect themselves. And therefore, on a rabbinic law, he felt he could provide a loophole. Whereas, had it been biblical, he wouldn't have done it and he wouldn't have needed to do it because the biblical mitzvah of Shemitah exists in a whole different level. It's a level of blessing. It's a different type of life. And the legislation wouldn't have been needed at all. I'd like to observe that sometimes people make a comment, particularly about Prusbal, if they know a little bit but not enough, that if there's a rabbinic will, there's a rabbinic way. The rabbis could come up with a solution. We've already seen two sessions ago that the rabbis have limited power if it's not financial, Financial, they have more power to do things. Hefker, Bezdin, Hefker. Isser, Veheta, the case of a married woman, the case of a get, the case of an aguna. They have less power to step in and to simply expect the rabbis to do hocus-pocus to release an aguna or something like that is not a realistic expectation. We also see over here how detailed the yes and the no and the loophole with the correction, with what it would have been without the correction, all of this has to be methodically worked through 
and only then can we take a step and put together a legislation of sorts to correct things. It's interesting that on the topic of Aguna, someone once suggested that every marriage should be done on condition of some great group of rabbis, maybe in Jerusalem, and only if they approve the marriage, then should it ultimately be approved. And if there was ever a case of Aguna, they would step in and say, we don't approve. And that would release the marriage from the beginning. But it's never been accepted in the Jewish world. And one of the reasons is simply because our foundation is the holiness of marriage. Who wants to have a marriage that's based on a condition that has yet to be affirmed? And every time we look at loopholes and corrective measures, we have to examine the style of thinking that the Talmud employed. And again, it's not hocus-pocus in order to provide a corrective measure. Yashikoach, thank you for joining.